Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Jesus said to them, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. We'll get that one of these days. <laughs> now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. This is the 29th day of the resurrection, the first day in the fifth week. Easter. Today we continue our look into John's letter of encouragement to a hurting church. If you'd like to follow along, it's in page 661 of your pew Bible. In this epistle of St. John, we have met the Jewish Christian community in Asia Minor that received this letter, a, le a community that's standing in between their heritage and a synagogue that no longer welcomes them, and a culture increasingly hostile to those who refuse to worship the idols of the gods and the idols of the empire. A community that has been torn apart and wounded by schism as some have left and departed from the truth. We've seen this essential, life-changing, transforming, capital T, truth, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We've heard that by believing this truth, we become children of God. In walking out this truth in our identity as children of God, we are brought into the eternal love and fellowship that is between the Father and the Son. And being bound together in love as a community grounded in truth and walking in love, we overcome the world. Last week, we heard John contrast our identity as beloved children with our tendency to seek our identity in idols. We heard his call to practice and live according to our true identity, that is, to live in righteousness as the beloved community. We continue this week as we see how the call to righteousness, that call to trust in our identity as children of God, and to trust in the sovereignty and love of God, even when it damages our social standing, even when it threatens our economic opportunity, or even when it threatens our physical safety. We see how this call to righteousness goes hand in hand with the call to love our brothers and sisters. So today, we will look at who we are called to love, 
in what way we are called to love, and by what power we are able to do this. Who we are called to love, in what way we are called to love, and by what power we are able to do this. Let's start by looking at who we are called to love. John writes to us, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Jesus famously expanded the scope of our call to love when he declared that we're not to love just those who love us, just our friends, but to love even our enemies. Jesus greatly expanded the definition of the neighbor we are commanded to love in the parable we call the Good Samaritan. In short, there is not anyone we are not called to love. However, the manifestation of that love is different when we're talking about our enemies, our acquaintances, and those in our close community. David Fitch describes these different communities in this way. First, he describes the closed circle, those who gather in intimate community around this table, and the dashed circle, those we invite in to share fellowship and friendship in our daily lives, and the half circle, the incomplete circle, those who we seek invitation from in order to enter into their lives and their communities, those in intimate community, those in casual community, and those we do not yet know. We have the same source of love for each of these groups, but the manifestation of that love is different. As we look at John's letter to this wounded church in Asia Minor, calling them to love one another, I think it is likely that he is calling us to love, to that love that is manifest in intimate community, that intimate community we call the church. He calls them to love as brothers and sisters, to love as those who share the same father those who live out their identity as beloved children, not of the world, but beloved children of God. He contrasts this beloved and beloving community with the world, those outside this community who do not know love, and so they fear and hate the beloved community. Those who do not understand life because they abide in death. John sets this call to love in the context of worship. Abel and Cain bring sacrifices to the Lord. And in Genesis, we hear that the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Worship and practice is linked. As God tells Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is lurking at your door. John links this worshiping community, this call to love, and the call to righteousness in his summary to the story of Cain and Abel. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. I think John is also speaking words of comfort to this hurting community, this community that has been torn apart by those who left, those who denied the Father and the Son, those who rejected the truth and the love 
that defines the beloved community. The same ones to whom this remaining community had extended love and then been rejected. John has already said that they never really belonged to us. And now he tells them that no one who hates his brother has life at all. But he reassures them. But we know. We know that we have life because of the love that binds our community together. Yes, we are called to love even those who do not love us. But we are bound in love when the love of the Father and the Son is given and received within the beloved community. So how are we to love? How is this love manifest in the beloved community? John tells us, that love in the beloved community is both tangible and sacrificial because we are taught to love by Jesus. Love is both tangible and sacrificial because we are taught to love by Jesus himself. Love is tangible when it's made manifest in action. John tells us, do not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. John gives the example of the one who has the world's goods, not the one who is rich, not the one who has abundantly, not the one who has an excess, but the one who simply has the world's goods and sees his brother in need. Perhaps his brother has been shunned by the community because he's a follower of Christ. Perhaps he's been robbed or beaten or imprisoned because he refused to worship the idols of the city and the empire. The call to love is the call to participate in community sharing the goods of one and the hardship of the other. John speaks into the first century reality of sharing in the necessities of the world's goods. Now, I don't want to dematerialize or over-spiritualize what we are called to today, but in the 21st century, we live in a culture that is perhaps the most abundant culture the world has ever seen. The goods of the world are rarely in short supply. However, we also live in one of the loneliest cultures ever known. Perhaps we should also consider in the community our need for time, our need for relationship, for conversation and encouragement, for hope and affirmation, so that then we can give intentionally and receive these necessities as well. Love is tangible when we meet one another's needs and share one another's burdens. Love is tangible when we meet one another's needs and share one another's burdens. Love is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial in that it gives life. Yes, sacrifice gives life. This sounds a little counterintuitive when we think about sacrifice and our, our view of sacrifice, but if we consider the great day of the atonement. The high priest is given life in the blood of the lamb that is sacrificed so that he may enter into the very presence of life itself in the Holy of Holies. The sacrifice gives life. Jesus gives his life that we might have life. We are called to be sacrificially life-giving in our love for one another. By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 
Love is sacrificial when we give the life we have to one another. When we do not hoard the abundant and eternal life we have in the Father and the Son, but instead freely give and freely receive. Love is manifest in the beloved community in ways that are tangible and sacrificial. This seems impossible. It seems risky. It's far beyond what I'm capable even of imagining, much less accomplishing. By what power are we able to do this? I love the way that John describes this impossible and risky leap into community as already accomplished in Christ. John doesn't give us a checklist of things we have to do to make it happen. He doesn't use conditional statements. If you do X, then you will be successful. Instead, John proclaims it as already true. By this we know. Four times in these 14 verses, John begins with this statement of the already in the midst of the not yet. By this we know. John encourages the wounded church in Asia Minor, and he encourages us today. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before God. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. When we begin to look at all the not yets of the beloved community, the ways that we fail to receive and give love in community with the Father and the Son and with one another, the ways we deny and reject our identity as beloved children, when we look and become discouraged and our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our doubts. God is greater than our fears. God is greater even than our failures. When by grace, when by grace we are aware of the already in the beloved community, when our hearts are at peace, when love flows unimpeded through us and among us, when we are at rest as beloved children, we have confidence before God. In either circumstance, whether we are aware of the not yet or the already of the beloved community, we are called to prayer. We are called to come before God, surrendering our doubts, our fears, and our failures to the sovereignty of God and resting in the love of God. We ask in love. We receive in love. We live in love. It is by God's power and God's grace that we are able to walk as the beloved community in the commandments of God. John writes, This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus the Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that God abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Love is manifest in the beloved community in ways that are tangible and sacrificial, not by our own strength, not even by our own will. But love is made manifest as we abide in God and God abides in us 
in the power of the name of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and among us. Love is made manifest as we come together today as the not yet and already beloved community at this table to receive life and love in the body and blood of Christ. Love is made manifest as we depart from one another to be sent out carrying light and life into a world that increasingly chooses darkness and death. We are sent out to invite others to know truth and to know love, to invite others to know their true identity and become what they already are as beloved children, living in the beloved community that is the fullness of the body of Christ. Love is made manifest as we come together again, broken and battered by a world that rejects truth and distorts love. We come together to be healed nourished so that we may receive and give love as the beloved community. For in all things, love is made manifest in the sovereignty and love of God. Love is made manifest in the mighty name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.